Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Did Stephen A. Smith go after Kira Davis? What the hell? I'm just about to talk about how the Russians arrested a 33-year-old with dual citizenship between Russia and the United States for allegedly spying or raising money to support Ukraine. And then all of a sudden I run into this. Kira Davis, if you know the name, remember the name, fills in for me on this show. You want to know how long I know Kira Davis? Kira Davis got her start in my chat room over a decade ago. Kira is fantastic. I don't agree with her on everything. But as a mind and as a person, absolutely spectacular. And I'm a supportive of her and and her career as the day is long. She had written an article in Newsweek. I had actually reached out to her about the saying, hey, I want to talk about it. She was she was driving back from wherever it was. She couldn't she couldn't do the show. And it was about Fonnie Willis, the district attorney, Fulton County. And she refers to, to Fonnie Willis as a uh, uh, as proof of the diversity first system has become an unmitigated disaster for hardworking black Americans. Oh, that made some people very angry. The article, Fonnie Willis is an embarrassment to black people. She's the proof that DEI only hurts us. That's the article that Kira wrote. Now, Kira, for those of you who might not know, is black. She's the author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. She hosts the Just Listen to Yourself podcast. She fills in here. She fills in for a guy named Dan Bongino. I don't know if you know him. She writes, as a black woman and working professional, I've never been a huge fan of affirmative action, and the recent rise of critical theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives has only bolstered my resistance. While it may seem necessary to some in order to right the wrongs of the past, I can sum up why these measures are an unmitigated disaster for hardworking black Americans in two words. Fonnie Willis. Oh. Well. That's putting it right out there, Kira. She's not shy. Stephen A. Smith. ESPN fame. Uh, I I think the fame is not necessarily having the best take, but having the loudest uh, take. He's he's not happy. And the story is that uh, he uh, posted a video challenging the column saying, quote, this woman, meaning Kira Davis, should be ashamed of herself because no matter what Fonnie Willis may have done wrong, it has absolutely nothing to do with the diversity, equity, and inclusion. It has nothing to do with DEI, the office that she has. No one is disputing that she's qualified for it. You may not like her and her personal choices. Having a relationship with a contemporary, I get that part. But to sit up there and to say it's a DEI issue just because she's in her position is utterly ridiculous. 
He didn't like the fact that Kira Davis referred to Willis as sour, angry, and quote-unquote stupid. Because those characterizations historically have been used to stereotype black women. Stephen A. Smith continues, By the way, a black woman accusing Fonnie Willis of not being polished and classy and not able to remain even keeled while responding to an uncomfortable barrage of questions on the witness stand. So she had an attitude. She didn't like being barraged with questions the way she was, and so that attitude came out in her, and because of that, that compromises her qualifications? It makes no sense, Miss Davis. It makes no sense whatsoever. You need to stop. Nah, Kira, you say what you want to say. Kira, you say what you want to say as you want to say it, and if Stephen A. Smith wants to talk to you about it, tell him to call you up with a little ringy-dingy, and then you guys can talk about it on his show or talk about it on your show, whatever the case may be. But what is this idea that we can't notice how people respond? You can't, if, if you're black and you respond to something aggressively, I can't notice that it's aggressive because if I notice it's aggressive, therefore it's bigotry? Is that the argument that's being made by Stephen A. Smith? Because that argument, um, I'm, I'm looking for the proper word that I would use to describe. Um, that argument is dumb. Now, see, the problem with dumb and stupid as words uh, in, in, in utilizing them in, in radio is that it ends conversation. I'm not interested in ending the conversation. Of course, a black woman can look angry on the stand, and so can a white man. So can a white woman, and so can a black man. People can look angry. They can also look entitled. They can also look like Alita snobs. That's exactly how I would have described. Exactly how I would have described Fonnie Willis. There she is giving her testimony. Why? Because she was involved in a sexual relationship with the man that she hired to be the prosecutor of Donald Trump utilizing this RICO predicate. She was in a sexual relationship with him. This is undeniable. And of course, it was Fonnie Willis who told us that the reason to vote for her is that she's not somebody who's going to be having sex with the people that she hires. Oh, she would never do that kind of thing. Nope, nope, nope. Not our funny. Because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children. Because we deserve better. For the for the record, she claims that uh, Nathan Wade, the prosecutor, her lover, isn't an employee, uh, but but rather is a contractor. And therefore, it's totally fine that she's banging him. I, I don't know if she said it like that. That's the way I took it. I was, all right, I was, maybe I was reading into a little bit of her words there. She came across smug. She came across elitist. She came across, who the hell do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? Oh, we've seen this from all sorts of people. What was the name of the state rep in Pennsylvania? He's being thrown out of a bar, and he's arguing with this one, arguing with that one. Eventually, it's, don't you know who I am? I'm going to shut your bar down. He was a white guy.
anytime you do this, do you know who I am? Anytime you do this, it's a black thing you wouldn't understand. Remember, as she had cash, it's a black thing you wouldn't understand. Oh, well, that's a good, good defense. It's acceptable to notice. Now, is Fonnie Willis a DEI hire? It's a great question. It is a real issue that you take a look at a uh, professional, pilots, for example, you take a look at someone who is a black pilot or someone who is a woman pilot, do you immediately say to yourself, man, I really hope they're qualified. I've heard people have that argument, and I have said, oh, no. The problem that other people will not admit to is that Claudine Gay was not immediately called out for being a fraud. The political left wants to act like it is being put upon, like it's standing up for for, for people and standing up for people's rights and standing up against bigotry. No, you have inculcated and the, the bigotry and protected the bigot. Claudine Gay is a plagiarist and a fraud, and she should have been fired from Harvard. And the political left said... Why are you going after Claudine Gay? It must be because she's black. That was indeed the proof that she was a DEI hire. She protected diversity, equity, and inclusion. She built the programs. She needed to be protected. She was the first black president of Harvard University. We have to stand up and cheer for this. And then it turned out that even in her own work, she didn't live up to the, to, the, to the academic rigors and the academic standards. And you know what you told us? Why are you paying attention to her academic work? You racist. I shared with you yesterday the, the story of the, the Harvard professor, Roland Fryer who had done a study back in 2016 about racial bias in police shootings and found none. He found that police were more than twice as likely to manhandle or beat or use some other kind of non-fatal force against black and Hispanic people than other races. That's interesting data. Why is that? But when it came to fatal force... Officers were 23.8% less likely to shoot at blacks and 8.5% less likely to shoot at Hispanics than they were to shoot at whites. He stated no racial differences involved in officer-involved shootings existed. And he got vilified. He got told he was full of blank. He got told he was a fraud. Professor said, don't print this. And you know who ended up suspending him? Claudine Gay. Black president, not at the time, Claudine Gay, who was the dean, suspended this professor, suspended Roland Fryer for two years. stating that his research and conduct with other employees, quote, exhibited a pattern of behavior, unquote, that failed to meet expectations within the community. Translation, 
You, black Professor Roland Fryer, weren't being black enough. You weren't protective of the narrative because the narrative is more important than the data because DEI is all about the narrative and therefore you gotta go. Claudine Gay was a DEI hire from beginning to end. It's the only reason she had the job. Don't get angry with me. Facts are facts. She tried to destroy the careers of other black professors because they weren't, wait for it, black enough. Kira Davis is making the argument that she isn't interested in who is black enough. She's interested in results and in data. I texted uh, Kira. I said, you, you got to come on right now. She said, I can't. I'm making my response video as we speak. I said, all right. You do your thing. Stephen A. Smith wanted what? Pretend that DEI doesn't exist? Of course it exists. He doesn't want to pretend. He wants to pretend it's not a problem? Of course it's a problem. DEI protects ignorance and foolhardiness. It protects the hateful and those people who engage the most hate. It is meant to build a cocoon around questions. Or against questions, I should say. Around people against questions you can't ask because the act of asking is bigotry. The act of noting that Fonnie Willis looked like an entitled jerk on the stand where it came out that she was having a sexual relationship with her employee and possibly getting kickbacks because he would pay for the vacations they took. And my gosh, they took a lot of vacations. And she allegedly paid him back with cash. No receipts but allegedly paid him back. And she looked angry, yes. And she looked entitled, yes. And she sounded entitled, yes. And she came off as rude and despicable. We're not allowed to note, note that? We aren't allowed to note Stephen A. Smith this kind of commentary? Isn't it true that you met Mr. Wade October 2019 at a judge's conference? We haven't gotten to the point where Ms. Willis should be treated hostile in this situation. I, I think we have. I very much Willis. want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be not here. Not so much that you're hostile, Ms. Willis. It'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Ms. Merchant's. Thank you. Merchant's interests are contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. That's how you, because, that's how you talk about another lawyer? That we, we can keep She's contrary to democracy in this dismissive fashion. We shouldn't notice. Oh, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. All right, man. I think you and Kira Davis are going to have a lovely conversation. I don't think anybody, regardless of their skin color, white or black, Asian or Hispanic, pick any hue, anywhere, should be immune from some level of critique because of that skin color. And if you believe that they should be, Stephen A., well, you would just be wrong, now wouldn't you? I look forward to Kira Davis's response. Very, very much. I'm Tony Katz.
Even if Trump and Biden weren't too old, and again they are, Americans still oppose them because they know what they'll do. They've already done tremendous damage, and they're just getting started. Biden has crippled families with years of inflation. He's put welfare over work and doled out more corporate welfare than any president ever. Meanwhile, Trump added more to the national debt than any president in history. And it wasn't because of COVID, no matter how many times he tries that excuse. Now he wants to put a 10% tax hike on every single American. Just like Biden, Trump will devastate families and destroy good-paying jobs. We need to shift our economy into overdrive, not reverse. Most importantly, we need a president who protects America. With, with all due respect, Ambassador Haley, I want to I say, I want to get quoted. I said it earlier, this speech went on too long. You want to give a speech that you're not getting out of this race, you can beat both of them, you're a better choice, make the decision now so you can make a better decision later, choose differently in the primary so you can choose better in the general. Go ahead, make that pitch. You want to say Biden and Trump are the same when it comes to the economy? You're you're not going to get anywhere with that. You're not going to get anywhere with that. You want to say that Trump added too much to the debt, you can get somewhere with that. But they're the same? They're both equally bad for the economy? That's not knowing how to read the room, Ambassador. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I, You know as well as I do, I need to get out of radio and get into consulting. First of all, there's so much more money in it. But secondly, how could you miss this? You know what? You and I have to have a drink. What is left? Why am I even thinking about losing my mind? She's down 30 points in the South Carolina primary, and she's not going to make up 20 of those 30. It's over, Johnny. It is 150% in every way over. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! You're not wrong, Senator Blutarski. I'm just saying it's over. Things that have to happen, 1% chance, less than 1% chance, however you want to put it. But you want to talk about a line that it'll never connect. Trump is as bad for the economy as Joe Biden will never connect. It won't connect with the base. It won't connect with independents. It won't connect with moderates. It won't connect with low information voters because they know that what's happening right now is terrible. And with Trump, at least they had money in their pocket. Now you can talk debt, right? A smaller subset of the audience is willing to at least engage that conversation. But this is, this is exactly the point. This is exactly the point. She went on too long today with the speech. I don't think there's anything else to say. Just bring on Saturday. Bring on the primary. Because if she thought she did herself some favors, I just don't see where it is with lines like this. I guess she can still cross her fingers and hope. I'm Tony Katz.
This commentary from Kevin O'Leary over there at uh, Shark Tank, the name of the show, talking about the, the Trump fraud trial. What fraud? It's exactly the point he makes to the CNN host, Laura Coates, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, the phone number, 833-468-8669. Give a call. Feel free. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. $355 million verdict. What is, over what? No actual crime? And I thought that Kevin O'Leary, when asked the question, just, he just answered it perfectly. Trump and the Trump organization, because there's probably a lot who were saying themselves, I've never falsified my business records. I know what a square foot looks like. I know what, what I can ask for and what I have the money to support. So I, I wonder to what extent that really is true. But on the second point, wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, Every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good and they say, no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to, but the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? I, I don't, and I think it's, a, it's an unbelievably well-stated position. There, there's, there was no crime here. But yes, Kathy Hochul, the governor, is all about cheering this. She is overjoyed to cheer this and, and to, to, to make the statement that this is sending a loud and clear message, some message that's loud and, and, and clear. The loud and clear message is, is that we, as the state of New York, if we want to go after you, we will. We don't care what we can get you on, we'll do it. And we're proud of that fact. It's a weird thing to be proud of. It's also weird in when it, we head over to Kansas City and this shooting that took place at the Super Bowl parade 
it's weird that there's nothing else about this story except, of course, these remnant conversations uh, like the mayor of Kansas City. His name is Quentin Lucas referring to the governor uh, of Missouri Parsons uh, as a uh, as a racist. He's going to join us later on in this program. After the shooting, he said we can't let some thugs and criminals just take over and ruin what happened. I gather that's not quite your assessment of what happened that day. I have respect for the governor. Uh, we get along well. I, I disagree strongly with uh, how he would describe that situation. I, I certainly do think this was criminal activity. It was lawlessness, and I think that uh, that's troubling. But thugs is a dog whistle in the most classic sense. And I have seen this dog whistle time and again. There's this kind of giant conservative theory on social media now that the reason that monk shots haven't been shown is because the purported defendants are black. And if it were a white defendant, we would have just shown them. That is absolutely preposterous. There are protections to juveniles. Our city has a gun violence problem. There is no question that people believe that if they were white, we would have already seen mugshots. If they were white, we'd still be talking about this story. There is no question, Mayor. It's not a dog whistle. There are thugs. And there are kids who act like thugs. But it doesn't change, the use of the word doesn't change the fact that this story disappeared. And it disappeared because they were kids who were black because if there were kids who were white this story would still be a story and since we have seen this and things like it time and again how about just admitting to that let us all be clear and honest about the fact that this double standard does happen and it shouldn't because if these things matter we should discuss them and i want to say for the record that these things matter Yes, I understand there are those people who want to use a situation like this. One woman died in this shooting, this dispute the two teens had. And they want to put it as, you see what this is? This is this is all about uh, gun violence and how we have to do away with the Second Amendment. No. This is about how teenagers got the guns. This is about why they thought they had to shoot each other, why they thought they had to be carrying the firearms, what was happening, how many people missed the ability to teach these kids how to deal with their issues in another way. You don't want to do the hard work. That's the issue, Mayor. And with all due respect, That's some cowardly stuff. That ain't leadership. We've got a gun violence issue. It's cowardly. And we don't have time for it. We got to address these things honestly and clearly and head on. Like we have to address honestly and clearly that Michigan, like Massachusetts, want residents to house and settle migrants. Hey, you got an extra bedroom. How about putting these people into your house? Well, who are they? We don't know. Well, what's their backstory? We don't know. Are they violent? We don't know. How many? We don't know. Do we know anything? We don't know. But you should house them. And then there were those stories out of Massachusetts of people who did house them. Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, welcome. Yeah, you can stay in our house. Now clean my floors. I, I could not make this up if I wanted to. 
programs like the Welcome Corps. It is not called the Welcome Corps. Oh, oh, do you hear that applause in the background? That's George Orwell. Rising from the dead to say Welcome Corps. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even, Ingsoc, sure, but Welcome Corps. Whoo! That's gold. <laughs> the Welcome Corps. Oh, my gosh. Hey, illegal immigrants who may or may not be criminals because we never checked. Not saying everybody is, but some are. Welcome. How you doing? Welcome back. Got your room right over here. Your dreams were your ticket. If you need another pillow, it's in the closet. Welcome back to that same old we serve dinner at six o'clock. It's gonna be soup. Side of cornbread. But those dreams have remained No, sorry, that's my daughter's room. You can't go in there. I said that's my daughter's room. You can't go in there. I said that's my daughter's room. You can't go in. The Welcome Corps. Okay. Programs like the Welcome Corps advance the Office of Global Michigan's mission to make Michigan the home for opportunity for our immigrant, refugee, and ethnic communities. This is a thing. Her name is Poppy Hernandez, Global Michigan Director and Michigan's Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer. Maybe DEI is an issue after all. Quote, Expanded refugee resettlement pathways empower more Michiganders to support our state's growing refugee population and build a more welcoming and inclusive Michigan for all. No, no, listen to me carefully. I don't think that immigrants should be treated the way the Irish and the Italians were when they were brought over to this country. I don't think that it would do anybody any good if we took people coming to the country now and we treated it like it was uh, the, 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 the 1930s. One man leads, two men enter. One man leads, two men enter. One man leads. But um, you understand this is nuts, right? It's a ridiculous ask that you have a program for this is an absolute abuse of the people and of the public trust. Your answer to everything that's happening is bring it on. Now, maybe I'm seeing it the wrong way and I say to myself, okay, we'll bring it on. More illegal immigrants coming to Michigan, coming right up. As a guy who lives in a state that borders Michigan, I might have an issue with this. What I more have an issue with, of course, is that these people will always find a way to spend your tax dollar and not actually work on solving the problem. There's nothing here that states, hey, maybe we do need to shut down a border. Maybe we do need to know who's coming into the country before they're allowed in the country. Now, once you know who somebody is, and you know issues of safety and security. If there's a family who wants to take people in, you're not going to hear an argument from me. 
Go ahead. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You want to support some charitable organization that helps these people? Fine by me. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. But you understand the danger. You don't know who's coming to the country. You haven't really checked. And now here's some family on your street that says, sure, we will take six. Oh, sure. Yeah, we've got places for you. They're not good and they're not kind and they're not decent. They're putting an entire neighborhood at risk. Oh, I'm sorry. Has nobody thought about this but me? Or is that nobody's willing to say it because to say that, well, Tony, that's bigoted. No, it's not. It's factual. They're putting a neighborhood at risk. The sponsors are expected to support the newly arrived refugees by greeting them at the airport, securing and preparing initial housing, enrolling children in school, and helping the adults find employment. So, no tax paying first, just enrolling kids in school. Now, do the kids have to know English? Or it's now incumbent upon the school district to say, sorry, we need to divert funds to ensure that we can provide translation services for all these new students whom none of whose parents paid any taxes whatsoever for the schools. If you think your kids were behind before because of COVID, let's start taking a look at how students are behind in places like Michigan, in places in in Massachusetts, where they've said, take people in. Let's look. Let's watch. You could argue that I'm not being a good, kind citizen. I'm not being a good, kind American. I'm not having a, a, just a, a, an open-door policy and being caring and compassionate. No part of that is true. I believe the compassion comes by not having an open border, by checking to see who comes into the country, by saying we welcome legal immigration, but we say no to illegal immigration to show respect for those people who actually want to be here and live here and thrive here and not the people who just want to do harm and damage. And oh yes, there are people coming across the border who want to do harm and damage. Take a look at Randall Island in New York. Actually, I'll get to that story coming up in the next hour. This is Tony Katz today. With a little more love and a little more laughter, a little more good vibes, less disaster. You know today would be a very good day just to have a good day all day long. Whatever the issues with the economy, the one thing that is true is that we are totally, as a nation, willing to bet on it. No, no, no. Not that it'll work out. Literally place a bet. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? Casinos in America took in $66.5 billion from gamblers in 2023. It's the best year ever for the industry. That's crazy. According to the American Gaming Association, the total was 10% higher than in 2022. The story from the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. Nevada, of course, is, is the biggest. $15.5 billion 
After that is Pennsylvania. Why? Why Pennsylvania? What? What casinos in Pennsylvania I don't know about. And then it's Atlantic City at $5.77 billion. Look, it's been a long time since I've been in AC. AC is rough. Rough. Then you get New York. Then Michigan. Then Ohio. Ohio is $3.31 billion. Indiana is $2.8 billion. Louisiana and then Illinois. That is uh, That is nutty. That, that's a, is it that people will do anything for an escape? Like this is just what they love? I say this as a guy who next month I will be in Vegas. That's right. We're doing the, we're, we're hitting Israel. Then I'll be back for a couple weeks. And then I've got a long weekend in Vegas for a cigar conference because my life is interesting. I'm curious. Is, is, it, is it just the escapism part? Is it just this, this desire to, to, to try and... Do they really, people really think they're going to win? I, it's interesting. That is interesting. By the way, it was $2.82 billion in Indiana, and according to this, revenue declined by 2.3%. Come on, Indiana. I bet you you'll do better next year. That's just, that is just not helpful at all. This is Tony Katz today.